Well, hey there, podcast listeners. We're so glad that you're listening to this sermon podcast. My name is Art Wright, and I'm the pastor of Williamsburg Baptist Church in historic Williamsburg, Virginia. And I think that you've chosen to listen to an especially good podcast. This is called Hashtag Blessed and is based on Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. It really is a pivotal passage in all of Scripture that becomes foundational to what it means to be people of faith. Uh, what it means for God to call us and to use us to extend God's blessing and love and grace and mercy and acceptance to the entire world. So I'm really glad that you're listening to this podcast of all of the podcasts. We, I want you to hear me say, too, that um, you know we've been traveling through these couple or three strange years of pandemic life now. We feel like we're moving beyond it, but we recognize more than ever now on the other side that church doesn't just happen from 11 a.m. till noon on Sunday mornings. We love gathering corporately for worship, and there's such a warmth and vitality in the room when we gather, and it's so good to shake hands or give hugs or grab a cup of coffee afterwards. But we know that lives are busy and sometimes you don't have time to or can't attend church on Sunday mornings. And so we increasingly are are committed to thinking outside of the box and recognizing that you might only have 15 or 20 minutes to listen to a sermon podcast on your way across town to take your kids to soccer or to meet a friend or while you're stuck in traffic heading to work. And so I want you to know that you know, even if you never have darkened the doors of this building, we consider you part of this community of faith. We're praying for you and rooting for you and hope that we continue can continue to be a blessing in your life. We really are glad you're listening. Of course, if you want to reach out to me, you're always welcome to. I'm at pastor at williamsburgbaptist.com. If you want to shoot me an email, we'd love to hear prayer concerns or just connect or go grab a cup of coffee sometime if you're interested uh, in doing so. You can also find us online at williamsburgbaptist.com for our website. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. I really do hope that this podcast and sermon is a blessing to you and hope that uh, you have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. The stories are ancient. The Genesis stories that we know so well have been passed down for thousands of years now, first by word of mouth and perhaps even performed or acted out in worship. It's not not hard for me to imagine early Jewish people sitting around campfires or huddled around kitchen tables at dinner time, telling the story the sacred stories about creation and flood and covenant. What strikes me as curious, however, is that most scholars think that the written form of the stories that we have, that we now know as as Genesis, were not put down onto paper until the sixth century BCE or so. They really were just oral traditions before that. By the 6th century, the two kingdoms of Israel had been conquered and were in exile. First Assyria, and then Babylon invaded. And so God's people were floundering and had lost their way. What had come before was no more. 
They were grieving and struggling and wondering what in the world it looked like to be God's people when these great calamities had happened. How can we be faithful to God when we've lost everything? And so, with great wisdom, scribes put pen to paper to share these ancient stories once again to help ground the community of faith in what it means to be the people of God, what it means to live faithfully even when we're struggling to find our way. The words of Genesis that Faye read weren't originally written down for people who were self-confident in their faith and sure of the path forward. They were written down when they were wondering if they were even going to make it as a people and as a community of faith, or if things were just going to fall apart. They were written down at a time when the painful realities of partisan politics and infighting were acute. They were written down at a time when theological differences of opinion were significant and at times combative. And here's what they wrote down in today's text. Remember, you were called to be a blessing to the world. And you can do that and be that no matter what context you find yourself in. Take a moment to pause and think and recognize that you can find a way to share God's love and be God's love even in the midst of grief and tragedy and uncertainty, even in the midst of heartbreak. Last week, Jackie Lewis got us started off in style on our fall in the narrative lectionary. We began in Genesis, and the first 11 chapters of Genesis are known as the primeval history by scholars. These are the earliest stories uh, the, the stories of creation and flood and recreation that the early Jewish people told to try to understand where they came from and who God was and what it meant to be human. Jackie Lewis referred to them as myths, and I think that that's reasonable. That's a, a term that scholars often use, not so much in the same way that we speak of Greco-Roman myths, such as Achilles or so forth. But the, the word myth does put a bad taste in some people's mouths. And so when I talk to my children about these stories, I often describe them as legends. I'll say, there's some truth to them for sure, but some parts of the stories are made up. And then we can talk about what we think is true. Do we really believe that God really destroyed the entire world in a flood? Or do we think that instead it points to a deeper reality and a deeper truth, even if the, the flood narrative as it's presented in Genesis isn't entirely historical? The, first, the stories of the first 11 chapters of Genesis speak to humans who are very much trying to figure out what it means to be human and finding out the failure and, that failure and screwing up are very much part of the deal. And they describe a God, too, who's very much trying to figure out what it means to be God to these people, all of whom can be knuckleheads from time to time. <laughs> right? And as Jackie shared last week, this is much the story of the flood narrative. God decides this isn't working out and tries to figure out another way forward. God decides to start all over again by covering the earth with water much like you might shake an Etch-a-Sketch so that you have a blank slate to work with. 
And when God begins to recreate the earth from scratch, lo and behold, God discovers that humanity hasn't changed after the flood. Humans still struggle to be loving and kind and just and fair and equitable. And so at the beginning of chapter 12, which Fay read, God uses a new tactic. God calls Abram and Sarai. It's almost as if God says, it may be too much to try to get a handle on the entire world and all of humanity. So instead, I'm going to invest my energy and my love into these two people, and then they in turn will carry my blessing to the world. I'm gonna pour my love and my heart and my dream for the way the world should be into Abram and Sarai, and then they and their descendants will be the ones to share this love and this awareness with the rest of the world. It's interesting to note that when God calls Abram in chapter 12, there's no indication that Abram worships this God or has even heard of this God. There's no indication that Abraham, that Abram, who will become Abraham, uh, name changed later on, there's no indication that he has done anything to deserve God's attention or God's divine blessing. This is not a divine meritocracy. Abram hasn't earned it. In fact, Jewish scholars have for centuries struggled to figure out why God called Abram of all people. Hear me say this, Abram and Sarai don't have to earn God's blessing, and neither do we for that matter. Abram and Sarai and their, their family find themselves in a city called Haran. They've been journeying from the Fertile Crescent a region between the Tigris and Euphrates River that you may remember from something like fifth grade social studies. But they've stopped and settled in Haran in all likelihood because they're grieving the loss of Abram's brother, where they once felt purposeful in their movement, they now feel empty. God appears to Abram and gives him a command and a promise, go with your family to the land that I will show you. And in return, I will bless you and make your name great. Now, it's a rather vague command, is it not? Go, and then I'll show you what's going to happen next. But the sense of it is this. Pick yourself up off the ground. Stop wallowing in your grief and self-pity. Break the inertia that you're feeling stuck in place. And trust that I will show you what's next. God is inviting Abram and his family into a new life, but not simply for his own sake. God doesn't say this, I will bless you so that you will be blessed. Rather, he says this, rather God says this, I will bless you so that in turn you might be a blessing to others, that you might extend my love and my blessing to the entire world. God tells Abram this, all the families of the earth are gonna be blessed by you. And this is a pivotal passage of scripture that shapes our understanding of what it means to be people of faith, Jewish and Christian alike. And I would dare say Muslim too, since they trace their lineage to Abram as well. This is the foundation for what it means to be people of faith. This is our calling. We are not blessed for our own sake, but we are blessed so that we might in turn be a blessing to others. 
God is calling you, God is calling me, God is calling all of us to be a blessing. And this is a beautiful thing, thing, folks, especially because you can be a blessing in just about any context that you find yourself in. Whether you have money or you don't, whether you're in exile like the Jewish people or in the midst of a pandemic like we have been, you can be a blessing whether you're a student or job hunting or gainfully employed or retired. You can be a blessing whether or not your preferred political party is in power in Washington. You can be a blessing to your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, the clerk at the grocery store, your roommates and classmates. You can be a blessing to the annoying soccer parents that happen to be sitting right next to you at your son's soccer game on an otherwise lovely Saturday afternoon. That, that last one might be autobiographical. You can be a blessing to people who vote differently than you or have a different skin color than you or have different beliefs about God than you do. It is a tall task, no doubt, to be a blessing and to extend God's blessing to the world. But God would not have called us if God did not think we were up to that task. When we understand that the core of what it means to be people of faith in this world is to be a blessing to others and to the world, then we begin to see all of our work as individuals and as a church through this lens. How are we as Williamsburg Baptist Church being a blessing to this community? And how can we be a blessing to the world? How is this community a better place because we're in it as a church? Or how is this community a better place because you're in it? What are we doing to share God's radical and transformative love? How are we co-creating a world that reflects God's love for all people, where, where justice flows down like waters and righteousness like ever-flowing streams? I, I'll just share this briefly. I wonder if you saw the story in the news this past week about the founder of Patagonia. He turned the $3 billion company, his $3 billion company, over to a nonprofit group that will ensure that the values of the company focus on sustainability and caring, from, caring for the earth from here on out. This is what he said, it was so beautiful. He said, the earth is our only stakeholder now. What would it look like for us as people of faith to say that humanity is our only stakeholder now? Creation is our only stakeholder now. That we are called to be a blessing to the entire world so that all might flourish. This is where it starts, with you, with me, Extending God's blessing to the world means recognizing the image of God in all people and all of humanity. Extending God's blessing to the world means extending God's love to all of creation and recognizing that we as humans are just a part, just a part of the goodness of life on this earth and that we inhabit a delicate and fragile ecosystem on this rock floating in space that is so, so, so precious. In a few moments, we'll move forward to ordain our deacons, our new, our new deacons, our servant leaders. 
Today's scripture reminds us that as we offer blessings and prayers for them, we don't ask God to bless them for their own sake so that they might be high and mighty or elevated in some way above this congregation, but rather that they might in turn offer God's blessing to others, especially within this family of faith, as they become our lead caregivers and servants among us. And then the hope is that we continue to see the example of Christ in them and recognize the blessing of God in their lives and in ours, and in turn, have their example to follow as we extend God's blessing to the world as well. Blessings to you all this day. Blessings to all who will hear this sermon in cyberspace as well. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Remember this, even as you receive blessings from God, God is calling you in turn to share that divine blessing with the world so that all might know God's love. Amen. Amen.